If we had no winter, the spring would not be so pleasant. If we did not sometimes taste of adversity, prosperity would not be so welcome. And Bradstreet. Welcome. Thank you for listening to Warfare, Advancement, and Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd. Today, we are going to continue our journey from the last episode, which left off around 40,000 years ago. We also saw the end of our hominid cousins that were still remaining, the Neanderthals, Homo forensis, aka the hobbits, the Denisovans, probably. Um, as we'll get into a little bit later, they may still be kicking around, but um, that's kind of debated. We also saw ourselves develop uh, more fantastical storytelling. Uh, we saw those animal-esque humans hunting in Indonesia. So these were theranthropic representations of humans. And then in Germany, around the same time, uh, we saw that carving of the lion-human hybrid. This episode, we will continue those type of developments, as well as our technological developments and our continuing people peopling of the world. So, I hope you are ready to continue with episode 7. Let's get on into it. So, when we left off 40,000 years ago, we were in the south of Asia and the eastern coast, most likely. We were in the Sahul, in, uh, which is modern-day Australia, and we were in southern Europe and the uh, Caspian steppes. Now, as we continue from there, um, in France, in southern France, I should say, at Abri Cassinet uh, and Grot Chevat Pont d'Arc. And I am butchering that pronunciation, I know. Please please accept my apology, French people. Um, we see more human artistic development. Um, at Abri Castanet, uh, at 37,000 years ago, we see the, the earliest found artistic representations of strictly human forms. Um, it's a possible fertility symbol. I think it's like a supposedly a vulva. Um, and at 35,000 years ago at Grot Chavot, uh, we see uh, kind of a possible animation in cave art. So we have animals that um, they kind of had light, lighter outlines uh, at one place and then a more detailed outline and shape in a different part. So it's either meant to represent multiple animals just all together, or it's possible that these are animals kind of moving. Uh, we really don't know. And in that same time frame, in Hohlfell's Germany, um, we see a mammoth ivory carved uh, human sculpture, uh, female. It kind of depicts a Venus figurine, and of course Venus in this case is a common term used for uh, carved um, female images from this time frame. It's basically just meant to stand in as fertility totems. Uh, there's a famous one we'll get to a little bit later, of course, the Venus of Willendorf. Uh, now, at 32,000 years ago, we see another big jump in our practical technology. Uh, we see um, 
food plant processing, which of course we've done at small scales before, um, but this seems to be um, done with wild oats. Um, and of course what you get from grinding oats like that is not the same as what you'd get maybe from a um, from leaf, leafy vegetables or things like that, in which case you get a paste. If you're grinding oats and grains, you're getting flour. So it's very possible that that is used for cooking and storage um, purposes. Uh, so that's a big difference. And this is not just happening in uh, Grata Pagliki, Italy. It's happening all across Europe, and we found evidence around this same time period in Australia. So this is something that's probably happening everywhere that humans have access to these wild grains and oats. Now, a little bit later than this, there is a possibility, a possibility, it's a bit of a controversy, that we have the first humans incursion into the Americas. Uh, specifically Mexico, I think they have found a trove of um, microblades and other artifacts suggesting, you know, obviously human shaping of rock um, 32,000 years ago. Uh, now, if they were there this early, and it's still a possibility they weren't, this could just be misdating, they're not sure, this is a fairly recent discovery, I think from July of 20. 22. Um, we, if we were there this early, we, this group was not long for the world. Um, they kind of, because this, this would have happened in a period where the temperatures are rising, but it's before the last glacial maximum, which is 26,000 years ago. I think it was when that starts and it goes to about 19,000 years ago. So they may have gotten kind of separated and divided from humanity and just didn't have the food or technology available to survive. And then, of course, you know, by the time that we do have that technology and make our final push into the Americas, you know, they would have been long extinct and, you know, been un untraceable by the peoples moving in. Excuse me. And again, this is just, you know, it, it's... Um, it's just uh, speculation at this point. Um, and that's, uh, that's from a Nature article. Uh, Cyprian F. Ardalan, Lorena Beccara Valdivia, and Eska Villerslev are the authors. Uh, and that was published in July 22nd, 2020. So very, very early days in that study. So we'll see where that ends up. But it's possible that a very intrepid group of Homo sapiens moved that far that early. Uh, now, after that, in Georgia, the country, obviously, in the, in the Caspian area, in the Caucasus, we find the earliest woven fabrics made from uh, flax. And these are dyed as well. Um, uh, so that's, you know, I think they were probably used for baskets and some clothing. Um, I don't know how warm that would have been in the colder climes um, north of Georgia, but... Uh, you never know. I guess if they made them thick enough, if they were if they were capable of that at this point. Uh, but yeah, so we, in addition to having furs and leather, we now have woven fabrics. 
Uh, and then from there, in Austria, about 500 years after this, we find the famous Venus of Willendorf, uh, which is a very famous statuette. It's ochre uh, limestone, or ochre-tinted limestone, and that was found in what is today Willendorf, Austria. And around the same time, we find the earliest uh, fishing net sinkers, so weights used to get your nets down and stay down once they hit the floor to help you reel in fish. Uh, and this is found in South Korea, or what is today South Korea. Uh, so, you know, out in East Asia, we find a lot of the more advanced fishing uh, technologies, um, or at least the earliest examples of these fishing technologies. Um, you know, fish being a you know, popular part of the diet there, that's not surprising. Uh, it's, to this day, still very, very important aspect of diets in a lot of those countries there. Uh, Japan, China... Um, Korea, of course. Now, um, about 25,000 years ago, there is uh, a possibility of, believe it or not, a coronavirus epidemic. <laughs> um, and it's very possible that this played havoc on the um, population at that time uh, in that area that may have killed out a large portion of the Homo sapiens living there and then they were eventually replaced um, by a later group. I think uh, in East Asia and in Europe there's evidence that you know 40,000 years ago we got there we kind of took out or assimilated the other Homo groups in the area and then yeah, they lived there for a time, and then their populations dropped or died out. And then, you know, the about 19,000 or 14,000 years ago, somewhere in that time frame, a new group moved in um, with more technology, you know, and they were able to stay around a little bit longer um, and assume or um, subsume those remaining uh, earlier settlers. Um, and it's possible that in East Asia, at least, that this coronavirus um, outbreak contributed to that. Uh, there's an article uh, that you can find at, uh, it is, I'm trying to remember, trying to find that in my notes. Yes, uh, Current Biology, uh, Cell uh, Current Biology. Uh, there is, uh, the authors are Yassin Solimi. Uh, Elise Lauderer and Ray Tobler were the top three build, but there were some other authors. Uh, and this was published in June 24th, 2021. Uh, so, yeah, we have been battling uh, uh, coronaviruses for quite some time, and it's very possible that this affected uh, our adaptation, uh, at least in this region. Uh, but there's another... Uh, big piece of technology coming that I want to bring up and this is actually happening in back in Africa uh, our motherland in the Limbombo mountains in South Africa uh, there is evidence of ricin uh, being produced and being of course used on arrow tips uh, now this is of course is incredible uh, you know uh, Dangerous, but incredible. Of course, uh, ricin is a neurotoxin, an extremely potent one. And the fact that we're developing this, you know, 
before agriculture is pretty impressive. And this, this type of technique is still used in that area um, uh, by the modern day San or Khoisan uh, people in that area. They are very good at finding uh, poisonous animals uh, and extracting the, um, extracting the toxins from them. And then they just need to nick an animal and then follow its tracks and wait for it to die. Uh, this is a very uh, economical and smart way to hunt. Uh, and, you know, they were doing it very early. So... It's no surprise that this area of the world uh, at this time is still the most populous, probably. Um, there are probably more humans living here for quite some time, until the advent of agriculture. Um, and we'll get back to these people uh, fairly soon. Um, or this group of people, I should say. Uh, now, while we're here in Limbobo, there is something I should have maybe started with at the start of the episode, just in terms of dating but um, I did want to kind of do this all at once because I think it, it makes more sense. So in Limbombo, uh, at the 40,000 year mark, <clears throat> there has been found a bone, uh, a bone tool. It's made of a bamboo fibula, and it's got kind of cuts and markings around it. Uh, Technically speaking, I think it's slightly older than 40,000 years. I think uh, it could be up to 43,000 years ago, according to radiocarbon dating. Um, but this is a notched bone. Um, now, that in and of itself isn't anything spectacular. There are far older notched bones. But this one seems like it could have an actual functional meaning. Um it has 29 notches, and it may have been used kind of as a lunar phase counter, um, you know, to kind of keep track of the moon. Um, there is a possibility that this may have been used uh, by African women for keeping track of menstrual cycles, or it could just be, you know, counting, you know, the time between the moon showing up. Um, but the moon, or I'm sorry, but the bone is broken. Um, so there may be more than 29 notches. Uh, there could be, you know, it could be something completely different. It could be a case that, you know, this was, you know, just um, half of, you know, something. You know, this could be far more than 29 marks. And, of course, there's also the possibility that it could just be strictly decoration, uh, that there's no deeper meaning to this. Um, it's also kind of hard to tell because the, the notches on the, these uh, bones um, aren't consistent. Uh, some have like a kind of a kind of a lack of uh, symmetry between each mark. Um, but the reason I bring that up now is because around this time there is another bone uh, found in Ishango, uh, which is currently in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, and this is, I think, much more likely to be a kind of a, a tally stick or a marker. Um, it's a little bit different. It does seem to kind of indicate that there are um, uh, possibly a base 12 counting system. Um, there are a couple of different columns on this. 
there is, uh, I think, two 60 columns and one 48 column. Um, so it, you know, it's very possible that this could be an early, uh, the earliest form of accounting system. Um, there have been some to suggest that this may have also been used to track the lunar phases. I, I don't know if that, if I buy it on this bone, specifically because there is a 48 um, tally mark. Um, but I guess if you were tracking um, maybe um, gestation, you know, how long you've been pregnant, that that actually might count into it. Um, but it, it doesn't quite line up with that. Uh, but that being said, um, in Africa, there is evidence of uh, higher um, number systems than, you know, your, your fingers and toes, basically. So they have developed some level, I think, of at least rudimentary calculus. Or not calculus, uh, calculation or addition. Um, no evidence of subtraction just yet, uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, now back to the, I guess, uh, and the Shango bone is much younger. It's about 20,000 years, so we're kind of cutting back and forth here. Uh, but we will continue um, from after the production of ricin. But yeah, so 25,000 years ago, we have developed uh, chemical and biological weapons, <laughs> or at least uh, rudimentary forms of those. But on a happier note, a much happier indeed, uh, at 23,000 years ago, we probably began the domestication of dogs. Uh, and this is, would be the first domestication in human history that we're aware of. Uh, I don't think we can count head lice and body lice. Uh, that was not planned by any means. Um, but we see dogs uh, descending from gray wolves. And of course, they have been with us uh, since then. Uh, we've kept them all that time, uh, and dogs were very helpful to us, I'm sure, in those early days, and not just in a companion manner that they are like today. These would be working animals. Uh, they pull sleds, help us hunt, track, things like that, be used for defense. They could be considered an early warning system uh, for any dangers from outside groups. Uh, now, where are I'm sorry, where dogs come from is a little bit of a mystery. Um, probably somewhere in Siberia, um, and it's easy kind of to track kind of the dispersal of dogs along with dispersal of humans in different groups. Um, there is a possibility that a kind of a sister species to the first, well, not the first group of dogs, but um, kind of a break off of this initial. Uh, wolf dog population uh, ended up in Japan and kind of became wild again. Um, Japan had a form of wolf that went extinct, I think, in the 19th century. Um, and they've done some genetic research on some of those specimens, and it seems like they're very closely related to those early dogs. Um, but yeah, so probably somewhere in the Eurasian steppe. Uh, we, we found dogs and um, adopted them and they adopted us and we've kind of been working together side by side ever since. Um, there's a movie about this and I forget the title but it's probably going to be one of our meta episodes coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, so please look forward to that. Now at the same time while 
some of our ancestors were having fun and uh, inventing the, the dog, for lack of a better term. We do see in uh, what is today Israel along the Sea of Galilee, um, groups of hunter-gatherers begin to add fish to their diet there. Uh, they develop uh, huts, brush huts. Um, these have sealed floors, they would have a hearth, and then they have uh, stockpiles of various berries and seeds along with grindstones and uh, sleeping areas made with uh, similar grass bedding to what we discussed a couple of episodes ago in the South of Africa. Excuse me. So they're developing what are probably our earliest homes that are not um, naturally occurring like caves. Now, about 3,000 years after that, we develop pottery uh, for cooking. Uh, this is, happens in what is today China. I think the exact site is Zhanrendong Cave. Um, and these are not, I don't think these are particularly small uh, vessels. Um, they're, I think they're fairly large, at least for what you would think of for a clay pot. Um, I could be wrong. I didn't, I could not find a picture of what they found. But um, yeah, so these are used to kind of cook uh, group meals from my understanding. Now, uh, at this time, at the 20,000 year mark, the sea levels begin to rise again. There's a period of deglaciation and it gets close to today's um, current levels. Then not, not all at once. Um, there's a period, um, uh, this is going on for about 10,000 years, but it starts right around now at least from what we can guess. Uh, there are some other kind of ideas of what's happening here, and I'll get into that shortly. But essentially, yeah, the sea levels begin to rise. Uh, certain parts of our populations are cut off from others, uh, specifically in Australia uh, and parts of Southeast Asia. They're gonna be kind of cut off in Indonesia, places like that. Um, and this, uh, about a thousand years after that, we get into that replacement of early modern humans across Eurasia uh, by the ancestors of today's population. So this is that second wave I was talking about. Um, probably a larger group just moved in. I, I, I think it's kind of similar to what happened in Neanderthals. It wasn't a huge amount, but it was enough. And obviously by us still having Neanderthal DNA, this wasn't a complete slaughter, there was integration. Now, at 50,000 years ago, we have what would be the absolute latest date that Denisovans would be alive. Now, in the last episode, I mentioned I had some difficulty finding consensus on this. Most sources cite 40,000 years as the last time they were alive. That's probably correct. There is some newer evidence that suggests they could have lasted anywhere between 30 to 15,000 years ago. I think 15,000 years is stretching it. I think it's probably no later than 30. Um, but this was done, uh, this is a science article published in March of 2019 uh, by Ann Gibbons. She um, cites a couple of sources and the researchers uh, that say that, you know, Denisovans, uh, one of their lineages, uh, very late surviving, would uh, have been the last group to kind of interbreed in Southeast Asia. 
I think the 30,000 mark, I think is possible. Like, I, I could see, like, a small kind of isolated group maybe lasting that long and then just being subsumed uh, towards the end of that period. Now, at that same time frame, um, we do have evidence of um, musical instruments. Uh, I think there's a stringed instrument of some kind uh, at Troy Ferret in France. Uh, so, yeah, we have music now. I know we, of course, probably sang and, you know, just whistled, things like that, but this is the first evidence that we have of uh, music occurring. Uh, are we using an item outside of our bodies to create musical accompaniment? Um, also in France at this time, we have found evidence of a toy. Um, it's a thaumatrope. Um, it's, and what those are, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of it, but essentially, they, I know they're very popular, I think in the 19th century, uh, but uh, you would see one side would have one image and the other side would have a separate image and you would kind of spin back and forth between the two quick and it would look like the images were combined. Um, ah, if you've ever seen the movie Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp and Noah Ryder, um, there's a scene where Johnny Depp has a bird and a cage uh, on a kind of a circle of cloth, uh, one on each side, and he has a string and he's kind of like spinning them back and forth and it looks like the bird is like flying out of the cage. That's kind of a, an example of a, a, a thaumatrope. Um, I'm sure there's a modern example. I just, you know, I, I, it's not something I deal with regularly, so uh, I'm not sure of a, of a good modern day example, but uh, that's a piece of media I, I know has an example of it. Now, from there, we continue um, to see more uh, or newer types of food added to our consumption. We have evidence of bread being baked. Um, I think uh, in Jordan, or what is now Jordan, I forget the name of the city, but we have, um, it would be unleavened bread, things from einkorn or tubers, uh, and that would kind of go into our grinding. We were probably eating it before then, but this is our earliest you know evidence we found of it. We also have um, plaster uh, at this time frame, uh, made from lime. Uh, this is also found in um, the Middle East, um, I think right on the coast. Um, I think Kabaran is the site, which I'm not sure what country that's in today, unfortunately. It's, it's somewhere in the Levant. Now, we are getting to the end of the 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 last glacial maximum um and our next episode we're going to get into the younger dryas event and go into how that last major climate change affects our food sources which of course is going to go into how we um, change how we live uh, the number of hunter gatherers is going to go down uh, while the you know the sedentary um, agriculturalists will steadily begin to rise. However, the last big thing I want to talk about in this episode 
is about 13,400 years ago. In the north of Sudan, in the Nile River Valley, uh, at a location known as Jebel Sahaba, uh, there has been um, a couple of excavations done, one in the 60s and one fairly recently. Uh, I think in 2021 was when this article was published, so it's probably happened a few years before then. Um, they found a number of individuals that had blunt force trauma, uh, perforations from projectiles in the bones, and this has probably happened due to um, climate change and the lack of certain types of food. Um, this is, you know, in what is now uh, the Sahara Desert uh, at a time when the water levels are rising, but, you know, because of that, the Sahara, while green at this time, is probably starting to give less and less food on an annual basis, at least when it comes in terms of uh, foliage. Um, it was initially thought that this was a massive battle site, or, you know, massive for hunter-gatherers. I think this more recent kind of excavation of the area shows that some of these individuals, you know, they were injured, yes, but they actually survived past this. Um, this was probably a site for a group to kind of, you know, leave their dead. Um, kind of a, you know, a territorial um, marking uh, for this group. Um, but the, the violence is the important thing here. Um, obviously, you know, again, we've had, we definitely had earlier, you know, small scale violence. Um, but the climate changing in this area is going to be very important, especially when it comes to our next episode. Um, this is going to perpetrate a lot of violence in the future, um, uh, in this area and in the surrounding areas. Um, but this is, um, kind of the first big battle site that we have examples of, or at least that's what it was assumed to be for a long time. Again, this more recent study shows that this may be a burial site for individuals of a specific family or clan group. But we are at 30 minutes now. So um, I do apologize for some of their, there's some rough cuts where I had to cut some stuff out and put them together. Um, my microphone was cutting in and out. I recorded about 15 minutes worth and I realized, oh no, nothing's actually recording. So I've had to kind of go back and forth in this episode, so it may be a little rough. Um, but I think it's, I think everything's gotten where it needs to go. Um, I may have gotten a little trailed off at the end there. But that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, it's, it's really, really nice hearing from people. Um, didn't have any real feedback, uh, just, you know, just general people just saying they enjoyed the show, uh, which is nice. Um, no questions or anything this week. Um, I did have a couple of people ask if um, I'm going to set up any kind of social media thing so they could follow um, and ask questions there. I think I will be doing the Twitter. Um, I'll post the link in the description of the episode if people want to follow there. I'm not going to do much with the account. Basically, it'll just be like, hey, there's an episode this week. Please follow. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of what it's going to go. And that'll be easier than just people having to email me directly. But you are still able to email me at waradrevpod at gmail.com. Again, that's W-A-R, 
A-D-R-E-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Again, thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a good rest of your day and or evening. Goodbye.